Okay, let's read, I think, verses 7 through 9 to end the second epistle of John. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who did not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we don't lose those things that we work for and that you may receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. And he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now to today's verses. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him in your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to drive to you, or hope, I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. All right. So, so they say I'm muffled, Bill, so I'm not sure what the muffled is. We need a new muffler. We need to go to the repair shop. Yeah. We need a new muffler. Oh. I, I, I'm not driving my Mustang anymore, so the muffler you don't have to do. I love that you muffler. Get patented, by the way. Am I clearer now in the field? Yes. Yes. Well, thanks okay, to Bill Speckman. Thanks, Bill. Whatever you did. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds right. good. It sounds good here, Bob. Okay, good. May I continue that? Yes. yes. Thank, thank yes, you. Please. I've got an approval within. <laughs> oh my goodness, we're off to a bad start here. All right. So to summarize, as we usually do, the previous teaching of last week, which we covered uh, verses seven through nine, deceivers who do not confess Jesus Christ, who Christ Himself has come in the flesh, are about us. Beware. I mean, they were there then, they're here today. So, no surprise, right? And I think we basically, in context, understand these are people within or close to the body. This is not the world system out there. And I think we can clearly recognize the difference between the two. And I think that's important in terms of the interpretation of the verses we're going to cover today. The second thing is our reward, which is an eternal reward, relates to abiding in the doctrine. And what's the doctrine? It's the biblical teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the Bible, basically. The doctrine of Christ is New Testament truth. And that's what we're here to study every week. Any other thoughts or comments about... Yes, Jim, go ahead. i got a question. Um, just, this is just off the head. It probably doesn't relate to much of this at all. Is ultra-dispensationalism false teaching? Why are you bringing up in relationship to ultra-dispensationalism? Is, is ultra-dispensationalism false teaching? Is, it, is that part of the false teaching that's in the church? Roger's shaking his head. Uh, he's not quite sure. Roger, you want to comment on that? Fine. Ultra. Well, it's sort of, it's sort of when the church church began. You know, most we, we believe typically yeah. the church began in Acts with, at Pentecost. That's true. Yeah, the just the They believe it started later, and I, I've actually forgotten. Maybe Roy can kind of do it. when they believe the church began, but it is centered somewhat about that. And there's some other things that 
takes into account too. So, mm. some, some of this sensationalists believe it started in Acts 9, others 9, 16, yeah. and you know, and others, others all the way, they don't even know. I've never heard of this position. Roy, do you want to comment? Uh, yeah, the uh, ultra-dispensationalism that I understand to be, in a general way, uh, restricts you to just the Pauline epistles oh, okay. and the church age as being what you teach. Uh, and that's for us. All the others are just examples, but it's in an extreme... It takes an extreme position, saying you don't even look at the Old Testament. You just stay with Pauline letters. Well, again, the, the entire Word of God is, is, a, is for us, but it's not about us, right? So the whole Bible is for us. The principles of God from Genesis to Revelation are continuously and redundantly revealed. But uh, in terms of what's uh, about us, we're New Testament saints in the church. So, I mean, I've not heard this ultra... Um, you know, uh, dispensational position before, but yeah, it uh, it's it's real strong in the Illinois area uh, up around Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll accept that and move yeah. on. All right, thanks, right. All right, so today's first verse: If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Uh, okay, so that first part of the verse, if anyone comes as a first-class conditional and the mood is indicative, it means it's facts. That means it, they're going to be coming. <laughs> so don't be surprised that these people can be among us or come to us in whatever venue, in whatever location. So what doctrine? What doctrine are we talking about here? Well, Does not bring this doctrine. What doctrine? It, it, it goes back to verse 9, right? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, the, the, the doctrine is the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is through him himself and the gospel account, but also mostly Amen. the epistles. All the epistles, right? Not the ultra, you know, uh, the dispensational view of the world that we just mentioned. All right. So how do, how do we know... If anyone comes to us and doesn't bring this doctrine, how, how do we perceive this? Again, keep in mind this is someone close to the body, and this is not the world system outside. They're easily recognized. Well, so, sometimes. So people, think out loud, Greg, Roger. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, and actually it's happened here. Some yeah. people will come and they will say, I believe this or that, or I'm. I'm, I'm actually we've had an ultra dispensationalist at Holly Hills. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he and he fellowship with us for a long time, and I know Hal talked with him a lot. I, I'm not going to mention his name, but anyway. Um, and we tried to, you know, and he stayed he stayed with us, and you know we didn't, you know, anyway. Um, so uh, typically, and we've had some people come, and they have their idea of what they, uh, you know, what's that? They have an agenda. They have an agenda, and they want to. I pass out my literature about what I believe, and he said, "Well, no, and I don't think we we would like you to know." So, so we've come across people that have other agendas, and typically over time they leave. So, are these people unsaved then? Well, not necessarily. No. They, no. Okay. And others that others they seem to be saved, but they have they have they want to you know showcase their agenda. They you know. 
and, they, and they're looking for I, don't know, I hate to say it, they're looking for a place that will accept them and, and showcase them and we say no we're not about showcasing you we're about showcasing the Lord Jesus and and you know what so so typically those people have left over time and it and we're thankful that because we have you know we're we're strongly into God's word and we you know we're not weak if, if you're weak in God's word then and you're taken in by other yeah. people that's not a good situation remember one thing Paul calls us to is rightly dividing the word of truth now that could almost be cultish couldn't it if it were you know I mean because you have you think you have the right view <laughs> rightly dividing the word of God so maybe that's the ultra dispensational I, I don't know but, yeah. yeah we have yeah. this woman was described this woman who was not totally with it in terms of her <laughs> cognition was claimed to be a historically involved in an evangelical cult so uh, that one more the person I said anyway all that aside so so we don't want to be called a cult we want to rightly divide the word of truth so okay so these people we have to kind of watch out for I think because uh, even in aspects of uh, interpretation that's part of the salvation experience we could be misled well, I will say one thing, Bob. We have when people are of the oath that they don't believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That's that, that, that's pretty serious. That is well, that is no, okay. something. That, 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 that's, that's probably that's not. Deal they, they can't be saved. That, that's I, a deal breaker. Jim, um, these people are since they taught the Christian taught. It's hard to find out what they believe right away. Absolutely, it takes time. You know, but over time, you can you can start seeing inconsistencies in their in what they believe. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Well, you know, to fellowship with these kind of people really relates to having right doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. and it's it's only the doctrine, it's the life that relates to the doctrine. But nevertheless, I think ultimately that's where the rubber meets the road. All right. So here's some hard language. You don't uh, really take them into our home nor even greet them I mean that's pretty strong language so uh, ultimately receive means uh, no you know we don't need any further information it's imperative we don't do this this is we're called as believers not to do this and I said wow doesn't this kind of sound extreme at your house or even greeting him and by the way him is generally translated as him her or them I mean it's it's not simply a male gender person this could be anybody, him, the the individual. So ultimately, I think I think Jason Fawcett and Brown, I think, do pretty well with this, and I kind of like this because it provided some comfort to not having unsaved people into our home. So this is not said of those who were always aliens from the church, but of those who wish to be esteemed brethren and subvert the true doctrine. So that's in a, in a sense what you were talking about, Roger, in this individual who right. was part of our body for a while, right? So the greetings salutation forbidden in the case of such a one is that the usual among Christian brethren in those days not is, is not a mere formality, but a token of Christian brotherhood. Okay, so again, it's, it's a matter of the fellowship we have I think with these individuals can be broken by wrong doctrine. So I kind of found that good. So let's look at a few verses that complement this. 
in John, Christ said, he who receives whomever I send receives me. <laughs> I mean, I think, it, it, I think that's kind of interesting. It's kind of a little bit out left field a little bit in terms of interpretation. But I think if people come in the new creation of Christ Jesus, we accept them. And that's all that he is in, as an individual and also in terms of doctrine. Romans uh, urges us, uh, brethren, that note that those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Hmm. So, are you simple? <laughs> I hope we're more than simple, but anyway, uh, I think... Paul has a similar passage for us there. And again in 1 Timothy 3, 5, and 6, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away, led away by lust. So anyway, there, I mean, there's, there's kind of lots of other warnings about Alright. Verse 11. For he who greets him, or Godspeed is in some translations, shares or is a partaker in his evil deeds. What do you make of that? That sounds <laughs> or John, John's black and white, remember. What are you doing? Well, but it, it's, this could be pretty subtle, couldn't it? I mean, this, this person existed in our body for yeah, some time, yeah. and with doctrinally not yeah. sound, I, well, ultimately... I, I was speaking of several, several people on the way. I was identifying each one, but... I, I think to me, there's some names you're right. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, yeah, this, to me, this seems like it's talking about you don't want to be associated with them so people will think that you agree with what they believe. Mm-hmm. You don't give credence to their belief. Uh, I think that's part of it. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. The Greek word uh, partaker is having communion with. And... Uh, we cannot have communion with saints and with Antichrist at the same time. <laughs> I mean, if, if these, but if these people are Antichrist, then they're unsaved. So I, I don't know really whether you can carry it that far because it sounds to me like what we're all agreeing is that these people may be saved but just have wrong doctrine. So, uh, but I guess, you know, I've heard a lot of people, particularly Jay Vernon, thinks that the greatest work of the devil is within the body. I mean, the world system is what it is. We can identify that easily in everything it stands for. But within the body, this kind of individual could do much harm. So, so in a sense, their their behavior may be antichrist-like, even though they're saved. I mean, it's, it's kind of uh, kind of a difficult task to kind of really say exactly to whom this applies. But you also have denominations that have kind of broken off. Who, who really are fairly extreme, and they may be saved in the basic form. Doesn't take much to get saved in terms of First no, Corinthians like fifteen, does it? But um, I, you know, I think we have denominations that have gone down that 
if you get a false, uh, not, not a false, uh, somebody who believes a little bit different than we do, and uh, if you keep him in the church, he may cause divisions. Yes. And I think mm-hmm. Roger and the leadership of his church was, was correct in asking that of those people, okay. those type of people to leave. They, they've got an agenda and they want to, they'll, they'll cause divisions in the church. You don't want that. So do you think it's correct to identify them with the Antichrist? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're Antichrist. They're just, they're probably well, saved. Go ahead. Yeah. But I was just thinking about the verse that says, He is not for me, it's against me. Yeah. So if they deny uh-huh. clear attributes from Scripture that he didn't come in the flesh, that's, pretty, that's a pretty well, serious... But- <laughs> But the other thing to keep in mind is, remember, our sin nature never leaves us. <laughs> it's yeah. just been taken care of. But in terms of our condition day in and day out, our faith is that we're positionally seen as resurrected and righteous. Right. So the kind of person comes in with wrong doctrine, in a sense, if we listen to that and kind of heed that, we're in fact entering into that fleshly uh Desire of pleasing him or her in terms of their well, false doctrine. Well, I so, think that's what this yeah, is, it seems to be addressing here. You're, yeah. You're and, at First Timothy five twenty two, do not lay hands on anyone hastily. It's kind of sharing communion with, if, if you will, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. So, the idea that we can be distracted by false doctrine and ultimately, in a sense, enter into that by appearance or ultimately, maybe even unconsciously. Is that it, kind of? I mean, when we buy into wrong doctrine and they have a relationship with these kinds of people, we need to identify that for what it's worth. Well, so, I think Roger hit it on the head, too, because if, if you then begin associating with that person, people that right. look to you may think that, in fact, because you're associating with that person who has that wrong doctrine, that you believe that, too. And, you know, other people can be swayed. And, you know, this next uh, scripture I'm sharing, Ephesians 5, kind of deals with it. says, I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So the idea of the wrong doctrine is brought in, and we fellowship with these people. In a sense, we're endorsing that wrong doctrine, right? It's a, I mean, this is a fine line. We're not here in a courtroom to try to judge. But I, I think... The idea of the sin nature can often be led astray by wrong doctrine. And that could be for wrong reasons. So rightly dividing the word of truth is what we're called to do. So we need to have an antenna up to make sure that these people are recognized and ultimately we follow John's direction in terms of how we deal with them. And think back, churches then often met at people's homes. Yeah, and, and that'd be, you know, so that way you have the people So this idea home. of having them in your home, I mean, we overly interpret that today in fact we're living in a secure, you know, brick or cedar or whatever house that Philip has all over his head. And all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved uh, Aponitus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ and Colossians 14. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Memphis and the church that is in her house. I mean, the idea here is that's where churches were. Maybe we need to go back. back no, no, I think I'm glad. This is our house here, right? Back to our, our house is heavenly. Yeah. And that makes sense when you say that. 
that, you know, there were house churches there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why John said, don't even let them in your house. Right. Yeah, I think that's the body. That's where the body gathered. Away from the body. Exactly. So in a sense, maybe we're overly interpreting today in terms of what our house is. Our house is Holly Hills Bible Church, I think, in terms of how it compares to where the New Testament church existed. Right? You know, I, I can remember having people in our home to our Bible study who, in fact, definitely had a different doctrine. But we didn't know that maybe until... I mean, we didn't know that. It didn't take very long to recognize that they had a different doctrine. And usually those people maybe came once or twice, three times, but then once they realized they weren't going to get anywhere in a right. Bible study, yeah, in a small group, they never, never saw them. Right. And, and, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the, what we've seen at Holly Hills. Yeah. If, if you're strong in what you teach and you're consistent, then over time they'll realize this is not yeah, a ground for my exactly you know we need to avoid opining simply we turn people to the word right. of God right and we need to do that you know rightfully and we need to do it convincingly that spirit led this is what scripture says and you know it's Amen. Not, it's not a simple <laughs> verse it would be right. many yeah wait yeah. No, I thought somebody said something. Roy, uh, Roy, Roy did. No, Roy, Roy. He said, I'm agreeing with you with an amen on that because. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue. Then uh, the question comes up here then what about opening our homes? What would be like opening up Holly Hills Bible Church and or having relationships with the unsaved, which could lead to sharing the Lord? I think there's something about this verse that says we can't do that. I mean, we, we went. Uh, yeah, out to dinner with some neighbors who have done a lot of neat things on the, in the neighborhood. By the way, that's another prayer for us. We've got kind of some strife on the on the mountain. But all that aside, you know, they're unsafe people. But I think ultimately we have a relationship with them that ultimately is hopefully going to be leading to to, to their salvation. So anyway, the idea of not having relationships with unsafe people is not what the verse is calling us to. It's watching what happens well, within the body. Yeah, well, Roger. It's being a wise, it's being a wise steward of, of God's word, a wise steward of you know of who you are in Christ. Just being wise about that, and not being taken in by people that have other agendas. But just think about this in terms of contextual interpretation of the word of God. I, I mean, I grew up as a, an uneducated, unsaved individual in my late teenagers and during college years and before I got saved at thirty. I thought anybody could use the Bible to make any point they wanted to make about any issue at all times. I mean, isn't it true? You could pull some verse out of Jeremiah or out of Judges or some place that say, you know, anyway, but rightly dividing the word of truth is interpreting this in terms of the body of Christ, not your own home. And even in your own home, if that's a Bible study like Margaret indicated, these people sorted themselves out there just like they do here ultimately. Any other thoughts here? All right, let's cruise on into verse 12. <laughs> so, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face-to-face -face that our joy may be full. So, does this in any way remind you of the Gospel of John? Well, it does. It reminded me. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. I mean, at the end of the Gospel account, you know, John had a lot more to share. He thought that it was too much for him. <laughs> kind of encyclopedic, uh, you know, that ultimately he decided not to enter into that space. 
in John 21, 23, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not uh, contain the books that would be written on them. So, I mean, you know, this idea that John had, John had a lot, lot on his mind that ultimately did not get communicated. And don't we prefer to be face-to-face rather than by Zoom? <laughs> I mean, here we are. I mean, this is so different than being at home. I mean, it still doesn't mean the message doesn't come across. But just seeing people's faces and watching you laugh or frown, depending on what's happening up here, <laughs> it's, it's really... You know, it was very nice yesterday. It was. It was. There were so many people there who participated on the but actually came to the, to the memorial sure. service and... It was so really great to interact with so many people that, you know, we haven't seen face-to-face very often. It's hard to hug somebody on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in terms of refreshments, right? <laughs> All right, well, this is kind of interesting. I must admit a little surprise to me, maybe not to some others, perhaps to Roy and others, but face-to-face literally means mouth-to-mouth. I don't want you to take that too far here. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, the only verse that kind of really... It's, it's, it's old Hebrew stuff, so I speak with him mouth to mouth. Well, that's, a, that's such a neat... I love that verse. It's a neat picture of the Lord and, and Moses. Even plainly and not in dark uh, sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So any, anyway, so that's... I speak with him mouth to mouth. Wow. I mean, it's, I get, you know, this is not a kiss. This is actually the... Well, it's, it, it, it gives, you know, you really get the, the, uh, closeness, the closeness of what, okay. the, what the Lord wants to do. He, want, he says, you know, we're, we're face, you know, we'll ultimately be face-to-face with Him, but, but his, through His Word right now, we, we, are, we can be face-to-face with Him through His Word. Well, that's true, and, and even though face-to-face is possible on Zoom, it may not be mouth-to-mouth, right? <laughs> I'll let you think about that one for a while. Wayne? When we talk face-to-face, you look at the expression on the face. Right. You text somebody, you have no clue what the expression <laughs> is. I know. <laughs> That's why all the emojis and all that stuff. But face-to-face, you can see the twinkle in the eye or the smile on the face. Or, or the sadness or the sorrow yeah. or whatever it is. That's why I think you never know, Yeah, in a lot of medical education now, I mean, before I retired, I recorded my lessons, you know, so Mm -hmm. that students would just, you know, look at them whenever they wanted. That's so sterile. I mean, there's no interaction. It it just is. And that's kind of digitally where the world's going now, increasingly, right? You know, one of the things that is showing up with children and young people is they don't know how to talk to someone face-to-face right. with all those expressions and the body language and everything. And so what they're seeing is these kids ha- are having a lot of trouble. And so that's why you see all this bullying and acting oh. out that you see because when you don't have this, all this interaction face-to-face, you don't understand what your, what your words mean when there's no reaction on the other side. Well, they can say anything, or do anything, or you know, get away with anything because they don't, they don't feel that face to face. Well, the other thing is, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. You're waiting for to board a plane, 
and everybody's sitting there looking down at their iPhone. I mean, I would say, I'm going to say 80 or 90 percent of people are preoccupied with their phone. We all get into that space because we want to catch up with our email or maybe even communicate with people. But it's getting increasingly sterile, isn't it? When you're speaking face to face, you're communicating emotions. Right. We are very emotional beings. And we just, uh, I like what the Holman uh, Christian Standard Bible translates, uh, Numbers 12, is I speak with him directly. Yep, okay. You know? Out the mouth. <laughs> he's communicating emotions, you're communicating yeah. emotions, and if you're not face to face, you're not communicating emotions. If you're communicating emotions, you text, like Wayne said. Yeah. You can't do it. Social media is just an answer. Right. For our young people. It's, well, it's so easy. It's so easy. But it's so sterile. Well, you can say anything. Well, and you offend people. You can offend people. If you're face-to-face, you're less likely to offend people. I think that's just a discussion to follow, really, to rectify differences and things like that. So, Robertson says the Sharte, if you will, is a leaf of papyrus for writing by cutting the pith into strips and pasting together old word here only in the New Testament and using black ink. So, I mean, he's just describing that how writing a letter was created. In those oh, wow. days. I mean, think about that today. <laughs> and now we're on word <laughs> documents. <laughs> just to play to anyway, I thought that was kind of, kind of disinteresting on the side in terms of how a letter was prepared. However, don't you think that John's letter reveals the power, purity, and love of the church? And I think it does. I mean, I think I've said. And and why was this important to John? Do you think communicating the power, purity, and love of the church? Well, he answered that way back in the first epistle a little bit. And these things I write unto you that your joy may be made full. I mean, how many times do we lose that joy we have in the Lord Jesus Christ in our salvation? And the neatest thing that I personally experienced with coming to the idea that positionally I was complete. He had made him who knew no sin to be made sin for me and for Roger and Ronnie and everybody else that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Once you see that, that creates the Christian experience as a joyful Experience. That doesn't mean there are trials and tribulations. It just means we have should have the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. And that's why he wanted to write a letter that their joy might be full. Well, and it's right now. It's, yes. it's not just when we go home to be with the Lord. It's the joy should be, you know, right now who we are. And boy, you know, we, we fall short of that so many times because of experiences that we're going through. But nevertheless, the joy that we have as being believers is different than trying to please God through every act of the flesh to prove self-righteousness. I mean, it's a whole different platform that we live on. And I think it's neat to think that this letter that he would like to have written would have been communicating that brother joy. So the last verse in the second epistle, children of your elect sister greet you, amen. So the children is technon, and I think these are her children. Are these her children or are those of the body, do you think? I mean, technon's used by John early on in terms of, of uh, kind of believers that are being trained and educated in the doctrine. 
but technon can be interpreted scripturally as also infants too, very small children. So what are your thoughts here in terms of the interpretation? Are these, um, by the way, this, uh, he's talking about his elect sister. <laughs> and remember when we first started teaching Second John, the question is, was this the church itself that was the lady? I think this is a person. So the, now the question is, if you accept that, and I'm, I'm hopefully rightly dividing the word of truth, are these her children or those the body? Now, that, that doesn't mean that the lady has to be the body of Christ, but it could be. But anyway, I don't think we have an answer to this. Uh, one interpreter thought that ultimately this, this well led to her own children, but I don't know. Any? It could be that maybe they had to write the code or something. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I meant if, if it was some kind of a danger of somebody oh. looking for them, maybe they wanted to use this term, talking about the church, but using the term sister. Oh, I mean, it's just an idea. Yeah, okay. True enough. And uh, of your elect sister greets you, I think this is more evidence that this is a woman, a female believer, not a body, but again, that's an opinion. I don't know we can be solid on that, but... The, the elect sister seems to relate to a person, an individual, rather than to a body, an elect body. Uh, but it also could be in, um, the children could be young believers who she hosts in her home as the church. I mean, you well, know. Well, let's see what other scholars think, meaning these scholars think. Alfred confesses that the non-mention of the lady herself here seems rather to favor the hypothesis that the church is met. Anyway, um, and, and then there's Robertson, <laughs> another, apparently children of a deceased sister of the lady of Second John 1, who lived in Ephesus, and when John knew, and, and whom John knew as members of his church there. So, anyway, uh, whatever. It works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. We have the final word from our brother, Jim. Oh, my goodness. Again, some things in Scripture we completely understand and other things we don't, but this does not limit our growth in grace, does it? <laughs> I think. I like Bonnie's suggestion. Have I ever told you what my old baseball coach said? Don't say that. Don't make no never mind. Usually grammar isn't correct. Margaret thinks it's like chalk on the blackboard. Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk privately a little later, okay? Yeah. Okay, the, and the, the yeah. epistle ends with amen, and Roy's already shared this term, thank you. Uh, I, I kind of like what Vine said about this, in, interpreting amen. At the end, so it is, so be it, may it be fulfilled. It was a custom which passed over from the synagogues to the Christian assemblies, that when he who had read or discoursed had offered up solemn prayer to God, the others responded, Amen, and thus made the substance of what was uttered their own. I, I, that's a nice yeah. nice description of why Amen is so typically utilized in Scripture throughout the Old Testament and the New. And remember, many of the Psalms ended with Amen from David, so a man of God. All right, so we've completed the second epistle of John. We have John 
30 epistles to go. We have two two classes on. Next week, and there's no Sunday school on Christmas or New Year's, and the first Sunday of January will be completing the third epistle of the uh, Apostle John. Can I get you on tape here to say you'll take that class? I'm sorry? (laughs) Would you you take the the last uh, message in uh, third John? I haven't, I haven't run the schedule yet. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's the date? Uh, yeah, it would be um, the second Sunday. Uh, the first Sunday is the first. It would be the 8th, I guess. 8th of January. Is that a good day for you? Are we in town? You, you can have the final word. And first, I, don't, I don't want the final word. Oh, <laughs> man. No, I, I can take it. Yeah, okay, I'll, I, I'll I, I, I'm fine with that. I'll, take that as a, I'll, I'll start the schedule with your name. No, we're, we're not in any distant <laughs> land at that point, okay. Okay. So let's close in prayer. Father, we're thankful for uh, the Spirit working through the Apostle John. He's had much to teach us, and, and sometimes it's a little bit challenging to know exactly uh, if there's not more of a gray zone in terms of exactly what the meaning is. But, but basically, John's black and white, and I think it's the doctrine of Christ versus that that's not of Christ, and I think that's what we're here to learn and live by. So we're thankful for the teaching that's existed in this epistle and may that continue to the termination of his uh, third epistle after the New Year. So in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.